It is finally Friday, March 5th. Thank you so much for starting your weekend or or continuing your weekend or starting your work week, depending on when you're listening. But either way, thank you so much for listening to yet another edition of 10,000 Pitches presented by our friends at Stimulus Athletic. If you're a soccer baseball, basketball, even ultimate Frisbee club. And and you're looking for somebody to outfit your club with uh, game gear jerseys, you know, or off the field or off the court apparel as well. Stimulus athletic does all of it. And they have you completely covered. Jason and the team at stimulus are amazing. We have worked with them in the past. I'm not just talking from somebody who, you know, has stimulus sponsor this podcast. I am talking as somebody who has been a former customer of stimulus athletic and utilized them to develop our 10 K kit last summer. And you've seen the reaction to that. You've seen how much the people love it, who have gotten it. Um, I wear mine probably once a week being completely honest. So if not more, so that's, that's kind of the quality you're working with, with Jason and the team at stimulus. So, like I said, whether it's jerseys, whether it's, you know, off the field, off the court apparel, whether it's both stimulus, Stimulus has you covered. If you have a design in mind, maybe you're a designer, maybe you have a designer, maybe you really liked the design you had last year, Stimulus can reapply that to their quality apparel and jerseys. Now, if you don't have a design and you're going in kind of scratch and you're not sure what exactly you want, that works too, because Stimulus has an awesome design team and they can help you come up with the look you want, again, on that quality apparel and quality game gear and quality jerseys. So contact Stimulus Athletic, go to stimulusathletic.com, click that design tab, click that get started button and start your amazing process with Stimulus today and make sure you let them know Jeremy from 10,000 Pitches sent you. Here we go. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another edition of 10,000 Pitches presented by Stimulus Athletic. Visit StimulusAthletic.com to outfit your club with quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices. What is up? My name is Jeremy Rushing, and thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to the show. We're on episode 38 now, which is pretty crazy to think about. I say this every week, but uh, it's just it's just amazing that we've gotten this far. Um, subscribe, rate, and review. If you have not uh, subscribing, we'll let you know when we drop a new episode, which is always Friday mornings, but it's always good to just subscribe. So it's right there in your feed to start your morning. And then also rate and review. Leaving a rating and review is huge for where we're placed on this podcast and how many people actually see uh, uh, 10,000 pitches show up when they're looking for a new soccer podcast. So please do all three of those things if you have not yet. And make sure you follow us on all socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're there at 10K Pitches. If this is your first time giving 10K a try, first of all, welcome and thank you. But second of all, I would highly recommend going back and listen, listening to some of our most recent interviews. Last week, I uh, had Futsal Society founder Caleb Crossley on the show, had a great conversation with him about futsal and its presence in the Twin Cities. A couple weeks back, had Equal Time Soccer's Matt Pervatsky on to talk about gopher soccer and all things women's college across the state. And then a few weeks back, we had Bateau FC's Josh Ranft, Johnny Zhang, and David Ripplinger uh, about what's going on there in Eau Claire with their club. So great interviews recently. So go back and check those out. Uh, but today, this week, we're talking all things Minnesota United. Uh, preseason started on Monday and it's in full swing. A few headlines, a few uh, noteworthy items that have come across the uh, newswire this week on Minnesota United. So I thought there's no better time than now to have uh, zone coverage loons reporter, Jacob Schneider, friend of the pod on the show to talk all things, Minnesota United. So that's coming up in just a little bit, but before we get to that, I do want to discuss the end to another E cup run for Minneapolis city. And yet again, it happens in the final, the second straight year 
the Crows have been bounced in the final. This time it was Max Stiegwert falling to Metro Louisville 17 to two on Agron in the Xbox premier division final. Now I know that seems like a butt whooping and it was, but you, you have to remember Max is a soccer player. Max actually plays for Minneapolis city. He's one of the better players on that squad actually. And he was facing a guy in Romero for Metro Louisville, who is actually a FIFA pro. He does not play for Metro Louisville. He is an actual FIFA pro that Metro Louisville signed specifically to play in this tournament. So no harm losing to somebody like that, you know, especially when we're talking about a guy uh, like Max who had a great run to the final, but unfortunately ran into that uh, big time buzzsaw in the, in the final there. But like I said, great run for the Crows, major kudos to Joe Meyer and everybody involved with the lower league cup for putting on another great tournament, giving us, you know, there's premier league and there's international soccer to watch, but domestically there's not much going on right now. So this was really kind of a boost and really something that got a lot of uh, soccer fans across the country uh, excited uh, again this year. So uh, again, major kudos to Joe for another great presentation and a great lower league cup here in 2021. I can't wait to see what they do in the summer. Hopefully another summer series, um, maybe 10 K will get involved in that. Who knows? Uh, but we definitely will be getting some e-cup recap interviews with some of the players, uh, local players who competed in the tournament and we'll get those going probably here in the next few weeks. So, uh, make sure you subscribe to 10,000 pitches so you can uh, get notified whenever we drop a new episode, uh, recap in the lower league e-cup before we get to the interview with Jacob. I do want to mention, we talked about Batoa FC in our conversation with them a few weeks back. Um, and of course we have a merch store with Batoa FC. We help Batoa FC launch Batoa about a month ago now and there are some awesome designs up there i mean the the saw three-quarter sleeve baseball tee talk about wearing stuff often i wear that twice a week at least that is one of my favorite articles of clothing that i actually have and it's up at batofcshop.com you can get stickers the pride of the 715 line is out and it is just it's amazing i've i've already picked up a few items from that as well so batofcshop.com use promo code pod at checkout pod and you will get 10 percent off your first order there so definitely head there if you have not gotten a chance to look at the awesome apparel and items that are up at batofcshop.com but now it's interview time and uh, time to welcome in zone coverage minnesota united reporter jacob schneider hope you enjoy it all right now it's time to welcome on somebody who uh, i haven't had on the podcast in a while it hasn't been a ton of off-season uh loons news to uh, go over here but now with the preseason starting and things starting to ramp up i thought it'd be good to bring him on to talk all things minnesota united it's mr jacob schneider from zonecoverage.com jacob thank you so much for taking the time man appreciate it Hey Jeremy, glad to be back. It's uh, it's been a minute. It's been a very quiet off season, but we got preseason starting. We've got uh, actual real life games starting in like uh, two months or well, yeah, a little over a month actually. Now that I yeah. think about it, it's uh, you know, I'm just ready to get MLS back. I miss my uh, I miss my uh, American soccer. Yeah, we're what six weeks away from uh from quote unquote opening day. I don't know if they'll. I don't know. Do you think they'll coin the phrase MLS is back again this year, even though they're not doing the tournament? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. did, but I don't think they should. I think it was unique to the pandemic lockdown setting. Yeah, for sure. So, well, what have you been up to in the off season, man? Like, like we like we've discussed already, it's been a very very quiet off season. So a lot of time to get away and sort of sort of chill and, and sort of, uh, do our own thing. So what have you been up to? 
Uh, mainly school. Uh, I graduate in three months. It's, uh, it's kind of wild, you know, but more than anything, I've kind of just been pursuing um, job applications, updating my resume, you know, reaching out, networking, trying to find a full-time gig post-graduation. Um, still working on it. Haven't gotten anything concrete, but, you know, there's always hope. There's always the next day and the day after that. So we wait, we move. But other than that, you know, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, family time, a lot of FIFA, yeah. kind of just uh, watching a lot of soccer, too. A lot of the Eredivis, um, a lot of ESPN Plus. I really like what they've brought to offer now with multiple leagues. It's been really nice being able to watch Weston McKinney and Juventus. Yep. Um, I've watched a little bit of uh, Brendan Aronson with Red Bull Salzburg. Um, due to some streams I found uh, on social media platforms, uh, you know, seeing that we have these players in these positions and we're able to watch them now, it's a joy. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, if there's a good soccer game on, why not put it on as background noise, even if you're not paying attention. So that's kind of my mentality lately. That's every Saturday and Sunday morning for me, man. doesn't matter what's on. doesn't matter if it's even like West Brom and Brighton or if it's, you know, <laughs> Juventus and Napoli or, you know, I'm just throw it on and, you know, if I'm paying full attention to it, great. If it's just something that's on in the background while I'm making breakfast or doing something else, that's good too. So uh, mm. I'm right along with you there. Um, so let's get into this Minnesota United news here, though, or kind of recapping the offseason here. And we're going to start kind of where last season ended. Back in December, I think it was December 6th or December 7th, that playoff loss to Seattle. And as I say that sentence, I still kind of feel that sting, to be honest. Um, do you see this as something that will motivate this Minnesota United team is specifically the players that were on the pitch for that, or is this something that's going to hang over them this season? It's definitely going to hang over them. Um, it's definitely going to be in the back of their minds because frankly um, they've lost the key to that match. Kevin Molino, he's no longer part of this roster. Mm -hmm. And now the whole Kevin Molino, Emmanuel Reynoso link up that was so successful in that playoff run yep. is no longer a thing. Um, and, you know, based on the current roster, we're looking at some players playing out of position, possibly a new number nine, um, you know, possibly no Ozzy Alonso starting, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. And you look at this team, look at that, that, that team that played against Seattle, it's a very different team going into 2021, even though there are some very familiar faces on the pitch. Um, the chemistry might be a little different. We might see, um, a little bit different of rotation up top. We're going to talk about that later in the show, I know. But I think going into 2021, the biggest thing, the biggest thing, excuse me, for the loons is that you can't let it hang over you more than the first few weeks. Um, if you if you uh, recall back, you know, probably a year ago, just this past week, the loons were starting so incredible to their 2020 season before the pandemic hit, um, before the world went into lockdown. We saw... Ike Opara with two stunning goals in the first two games. We saw the Loons defeat Portland and everybody's like, okay, okay. Then they go to San Jose. Okay. You beat San Jose. So now we look at it and we're like, okay, what are we, what are we thinking now in 2021? It's different. It's going to be a lot harder. I think to repeat last year's success with the current starting 11 that's predicted, but you know, I also have a lot of faith in what Adrian Heath's doing with this squad. He's proved to us over the past few seasons that, you know, this, the whole three-year plan with Manny Lagos, it was, you know, although it may have been uh, not a thing to a lot of us at first, it ended up becoming something that was special to this club. You know, that playoff run was, was special. You know, it's heartbreaking to lose 
to Seattle and with fifth, three goals in the last, I think it was 18 minutes after extra time. It's just brutal. It's brutal and it stings, but you know, there's a lot to build on too. And they've got, uh, they've got a lot of prospects coming in there, you know, a good, they've got three really good goalkeepers. Fred Emmings is turning heads in, in training camp. I'll tell you that people are loving his production rates. Uh, he, he, he bulked up over the off season. Uh, the first day of preseason, the loons posted him on their Twitter. You know, a lot of people are like, who's this kid they're posting? If you don't pay attention, you don't know who he is, but they've got Tyler Miller, Dane St. Clair, and then uh, Fred Emmings, you know, there's, there's three good goalkeepers, two that are really competitive for that first starting spot. And, you know, there, there's depth. We've got defenders now. We've got depth in the midfield. You know, you work on that attack and you've got a really successful team and you've got a high chance of competing in the playoffs again this year if you can get one or two more DPs, possibly loan out to Mashikon. We talked about last season, I wrote a piece actually for zone coverage talking about how the depth really could be the strength of that team. And especially in a condensed season scenario could really shine, but we have seen kind of a, I don't want to call it an unwillingness, but a a lack of utilization of that depth for lack of a better term in terms of, you know, less subs in terms of going, you know, Adrian Heath (laughs) oftentimes choosing to go with what he has on the pitch and not willing to make those adjustments. So where does that balance lie with like, okay, yes, we bring in a lot of these depth pieces. Even this summer we've seen it with, or excuse me, this off season, we've seen it with guys like Colin Montgomery and, and, and other defenders and, and midfield depth brought in will trap, you know, coming in. It's great that we bring those guys on, but then how do you balance that out with actually utilizing that depth on the pitch when the time comes? Well, see, I really like the will trap move because Ozzy Alonso is aging, but I do wonder if it hinders the growth of Hassani Dotson. However, this is the year of Hassani Dotson. If there was a year of Hassani Dotson for Minnesota United, he no longer has to play a fullback. We have a, we have depth at right back and left back. And then that, that's not even including Baki Debasi, who can play left back and uh, left center back. So we look at Hassani Dotson, who has been a mainstay off the bench or uh, filling in for positions in the midfield or at fullback for the Loons since he arrived in Minnesota. He's been great, but he's now called up to the USU 23 uh, men's national team. And he's got a chance to really impress Jason Kreese there. Um, I really hope he does successful because what he does on the pitch is incredibly special that, and he only scores bangers. We all know that Hassani scores bangers. That's the only way he finds the yep. back of the net, but will trap is a really good move because I think he'll play nicely off of, um, off of the midfield, you know, beneath Reynoso alongside Gregus. I think there's a chance that we see him, uh, become the player he was at Columbus again here in Minnesota. He wasn't very good in the uh, inter Miami setup. It wasn't for him. Uh, I don't think they had uh, all the pieces necessary to get the best out of trap. And I think Minnesota does because of the 10, because of the eight partner and the two very good center backs beneath him in uh, Debasi, Dash Opara and Michael Boxel. How is Will Trap both the same and different from Ozzy Alonso? Does he play that same sort of defensive midfield role where he's able to drop, or is he a little bit more maybe uh, – does he have some ability in attack? Uh, Will Trap has much more ability in attack than Ozzy Alonso. <laughs> I remember – I believe it was Ozzy Alonso who scored the first goal at Allianz Field, if I recall, Jeremy. Wasn't it a, a volley outside the box? I believe it was, yes. Yeah, and I think that's been his only goal contribution – uh, at Allianz Field since Will Trap more so is a defensive midfielder 
who is really good at passing, has really great vision. He'll be able to find those balls to Reynoso a little more than Ozzy. Ozzy's very physical um, in your tactical setup. He, he's someone who drops between the defenders. Um, if your defender's moving forward, like Michael Boxel, who would sometimes move forward with the ball, very good in the, uh, in, in the box, very good in the final third too. Uh, very clinical for a center back. Uh, Will Trapp is the type of player who's immediately uh, falling behind him and uh, kind of going into that center back role if, if needed. Definitely. So speaking of defenders, let's go over some of the signings that Minnesota United uh, made in the offseason or some of the moves they made. And let's start with that back line. Three new additions to kind of that player pool on the defense for Minnesota United, um, signing Colin Montgomery, signing DJ Taylor, and then trading the uh, rights to former super draft pick Andrew Booth to CF Montreal for Finnish defender Juka Raitala, who becomes the second Finn on Minnesota United alongside Robin Lode. Um, where do you expect these guys to factor in? I mean, is this purely depth? Um, you know, how much playing time could we see either of these three guys get a spot start? Maybe kind of, where do they factor into this rotation? Well, I don't think many of them are going to make it into the starting 11, unless there is an injury. And even then, you know, you have to wonder if there's a better option already on the team. I know Juka Raitala is somebody that Heath wanted, and I know Robin Lude uh, has a good link up with him, but again, I just, I look at it and I say, why change it when it's working? Mm -hmm. I really like Chase Gasper. I know a lot of people question uh, his uh, ability to get out of position sometimes, but I'm really happy with the fact that he's grown so much over the past three seasons. Baki Dabasi has proved that if Aikopara is unfit to go in 2021, he is a suitable replacement in that left center back role. Michael Boxel, uh, more than likely would be team captain if Ozzy Alonso is not a starter. Uh, you know, th that's not confirmed, of course, but that's my assumption. Uh, right center back, right back Romain Metinair, who, you know, he's great. He, he does his job. He doesn't, he doesn't get caught out of position very much. Uh, sometimes he'll get a little too aggressive, get an unnecessary yellow, but, you know, what player doesn't do that a few times in their career? That back line is very good for a uh, four-person rotation right now. Each one has their own depth piece in each position now with those super back, super draft picks, excuse me, with Juca Raitala, with Booth. Um, and we've still got um, Billingsley at right back too, who is yep. now uh, joining up with the team for 2021 um, so far. We haven't seen any news of a loan or anything, so we'll assume that he is going to be the uh, right back depth piece right now. Yep. So you look at that, you look at the midfield, um, you got Hassani Dotson uh, who can play in a 4-3-3 alongside Trap, Gregus, uh, unless you want to put Ozzy there. I don't know what his role is going to be. Uh, assuming that he's signed, he still isn't signed, but it's mm -hmm. reported that he's agreed a one-year deal, uh, and then he's going to be helping out with the Youth Academy as well. So until, that, uh, until we get that uh, notification in our inboxes, uh, it's assumed that Ozzy Alonso is a loon for 2021, yeah. but nothing official has come yet. Let's say Ozzy Alonso does stay on. Uh, I find it hard to believe that Will Trapp is joining Minnesota United to sit the bench. So uh, are, are you kind of with me that you would expect Trapp to take over that starting spot with Alonzo being more of a, a vital bench option, spot start piece, and veteran, lo veteran locker room presence? Or is there a legitimate chance that Alonzo could see that regular starting 11 role? No, I think, I think what you said the first time is exactly what his role is going to be. The veteran locker room leadership part is important because there are some young players on this team. 
Ozzy has a big say in that locker room. You ask any player, any any uh, member of the coaching staff, uh, Ozzy is someone who speaks to everybody. Um, and I and I look at it and I say, Will Trap definitely came here to start. He he wouldn't mm-hmm. come to Minnesota if he wasn't going to start. I exactly. mean, that that he's a good player. He's a really good free agent pickup. Uh, and I I think a lot of people maybe are going under the radar on him. He genuinely could be, you know. A, a top 10 domestic midfielder in uh in MLS this season you know mm-hmm. at one point he was starting for the U.S. men's national team on a regular basis yeah. so let's let's just let's just wait let's give him uh let's give him his time his chance and I really do think that uh we might be moving away from the 4-2-3-1-2 because uh yeah I think this might be the year of the 4-3-3 for the Lunds just because of the three midfield options if you wanted to play Ozzy you could um, and I know that people are wondering who's going to start up top. You know, is it going to be some of the, the new addition, Juan Agudelo? Is it going to be Voster Langsdorf? Um, I genuinely think this could be uh, very similar to that of the 2020 season because there is no quote unquote starting caliber striker on the roster right now with Emmanuel Reynoso playing in a false nine. Um, Robin Lude at right wing, I hope, and then at a, then a DP <laughs> left wing. I don't want to see Robin Lude at left wing. I, I apologize in advance, but I, I don't need to go through another season of that. Before we get into who Minnesota United could still potentially bring on up front, we need to address the the big the big gap that's going to be there um, with the departure of Kevin Molino. Uh, Molino on January seventh, uh, it was announced that he signed with the Columbus Crew, um, and you know, just talk about his. He was so influential, especially in that last later run of the regular season and into the playoffs. I mean, he was the goal scoring contributor for Minnesota United. I don't know what the exact percentages are, but I know at the very end of the season, like he carried a lot of, a lot of that goal scoring weight. Um, you lose him. And since then, nobody has really come in and nobody has really been kind of uh, asserted into that role of saying, okay, this is going to be the guy that kind of fills that hole, uh, you know, and, and fills that divot and, and really kind of can make that same type of contribution. So now the way I look at it is there's more pressure now on guys like Robin Lude and Emmanuel Reynoso and whoever is the starting striker, uh, presumably Agudelo at this point, um, to put the ball in the back of the net. But we saw last season that Reynoso's biggest con- contribution on this team, you know, has been and could continue to be his ability to set up goal scoring opportunities. But now you're sort of where you were before last season, where who is going to be that guy to finish those opportunities off? And that to me is the biggest question up front for Minnesota United as we head into, you know, training camp here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think the departure of Kevin Molino was something I personally saw coming. Um, he deserves to win. You know, he deserves a championship. And I don't think Minnesota is the team to get it with at the moment. They were really close in 2020. But I think there was a feeling among a lot of us that that was sort of a Cinderella run um, in a way because nobody expected the team to go out and just bash Sporting Kansas City uh, at Sporting Kansas City. And I don't think anybody expected them to to be up 3-0 or 2-0 on Seattle, excuse me. Um, I just, I feel like, you know, I want to say good for him that he's leaving because 
He's done a lot for this club. He was a starting 11 member when the team joined in 2017. He was the first big signing, and he meant a lot to everybody here, including Adrian Heath. And I know their relationship is still intact. It's mm-hmm. not Heath getting mad at him. It's not uh, him getting mad at Heath. It's the fact that he had an oppor- he hasn't he now has an opportunity with debatably the best team in MLS, the be- the best starting 11. Um, to go and win a championship or uh, uh, some sort of silverware in 2021. And although we're going to miss him, although his contributions are incredible on the pitch, I think I think it's for the best. And I think you need to, because, you know, Molino's getting up there in age too. You need to start building from a younger core. Um, Reynoso's young. Um, Robin Lude is not. Ethan mm-hmm. Finley is not. Kevin Molino is not. You, you know, you got Reynoso there. You brought in Will Trapp, who's, who's, who's middle of the tier. Um, Jan Gregu still, still middle of the tier. Like I said, Ozzy Alonso getting up there in age, mm-hmm. you got to start kind of building this younger core and by re-signing Kevin Molino, you know, they offered him a contract and everything, but him turning it down might be better in the long run for the loons. Um, I think it gives them a lot of flexibility, um, especially considering there are rumors that Tomas Chacon will now be loaned out, uh, back to a club in Uruguay, mm-hmm. um, to get some minutes, you know, he, the kid needs him. I don't think, uh, I, I think, think at this point with Chacon, it doesn't matter where he gets him. He just needs to get him, right? It's like yeah. he needs to play somewhere. But you're not going to loan Chacon. You're not going to loan a DP to the USL. He needs to he needs to get minutes. And I think for a, a kid his age, confidence is key. And going back home, going back where you're comfortable. I know his girlfriend still lives in Uruguay. Being able to go back to uh, possibly even Danubio, I think, you know, th- that's a real confidence builder. You know, he might come back and be one of the best players in the league. You know, he really, really, really showed at the U-20 World Cup what he can do. You know, mm-hmm. that's why they bought him. But he hasn't found his footing. So hopefully that loan goes, connects, and we're able to get the kid minutes and we're able to see what happens with him. But back to that left-wing conversation, you know, you need to bring in a top-tier player. Whether that's a DP or whether that's a TAM-level player, it, I, I think it should be a DP. You need to bring in somebody who is going to turn heads, who is going to make up for Kevin Molino, you know, and you look, you look at free agents, you look at possibilities. There's some really good free agents out there. Um, Jesse Rodriguez, former PSG player, former Real Madrid player, bit of a troublemaker off the pitch. Hence why he's a free agent broke COVID-19 rules and argued Mm -hmm. with his club's president. Hence he was, uh, his contract was let was uh, canceled, I guess is the way to put it back in December free agent. Alex Teixeira out of the uh, Chinese Super League. Um, a lot of people know his, know his name if you play FIFA. A lot of people know his name um, when he used to stun and turn heads at Shakhtar Donetsk when they played in the Europa and the Champions League. Uh, he went and got his bag in China. He got paid a lot of money to score a lot of goals, but he's now a free agent. You know, 31 years old, he could be a vital contribution for any team. His pace is uncanny. Like, it's, it's disgusting how fast he is. Um, but... Again, that's a 31-year-old I'm talking about. I really think this club needs to build a core of younger, stronger players. And I don't think they're going to be looking at a free agent. I think this is going to be the the big money signing right here um, in this left-wing position because right now they don't have anybody who is suitable there besides Robin Lude. Robin Lude is not a left-winger. So, you know, splash the cash, make it happen, turn our heads, you know, Stun a few people. Let's see what happens. 
just going back to Molino's inclusion in Columbus, I mean, that attacking presence is just pretty crazy now. I mean, it was already one of, if not the best uh, final third in MLS last season. Now you add a guy like Kevin Molino. I mean, who's going to keep the ball out of the back of the net against them? Jossi Zardes is going to score 20 goals. Like that's (laughs) happening. I, I, I criticize him all the time. His first touch is atrocious, but my God, can he find the back of the net no matter where he is? You know, as long as he's not dribbling, as long as he's not passing, that ball is in the back of the net. Um, And I genuinely think Jossie's art is. You can quote me on this, Jeremy. You you, you can pin this. You can pin this tweet. Who's ever listening. I think Jossie's art is is going to be one of two, maybe three people competing for a starting striker spot in uh, the 2022 World Cup. So let's see. Zardes, Sargent and. Sergeant, I don't think Sergeant's going to be competing. For no, the you don't spot. think Sergeant? Okay. No, the reason I say that is because he uh, he doesn't score enough. Uh, he doesn't have the opportunities, of course. You know, his team isn't doing very good. He scored a few goals here and there. He had a really nice turn uh, and shot outside the box. I think it was a week or two ago. But I don't think Josh Sergeant is as good as people say he is. Um, I really, I really want him to prove me wrong, but he he either needs to find a club where he can start consistently or he needs to earn a starting spot where he is. Mm-hmm. So until then, my, my top three U.S. men's national team strikers are going to be Giassi Zardes, Daryl DK, and, um, you know, I want to say Jeremy Abobase, but I, Jeremy Abobase has to start too. So in all reality... I think it is down to those two right now, unless unless you want to consider some other domestic strikers or possibly even like uh, someone like Ulysses Yanez, but he isn't starting either right now. So, you know, they have a lot of a lot of wingers, a lot of attacking midfielders, you know, a lot of prospects there, but mm-hmm. strikers still a position to be narrowed down. I think I really do think it's between Giassi Zardes and Daryl DK. I don't want to go too far down the uh, U.S. men's national team route no. here, but what a but what a start for DK at Barnsley, huh? Six games in a row, the Daryl DK effect. Two goals, six games unbeaten. Barnsley are now competing um, for a playoff promotion spot. You love to see it. He, you know, if you see see his post game interviews, he's so happy. Yeah. Like watching him play when he scores a goal, watching him run toward the corner flag with the camera narrowed in on his face. That smile is contagious. Yep. Good for him. I'm so happy to see him successful. I want to cry about Jordan Morris, but um, I hope Paul Ariola also uh, excels and finds some starting minutes with Swansea soon. So going back to the Minnesota United conversation, circling back, um, you would rather would you rather see a DP left wing as opposed to a DP striker? And what's the timeline on either of those? Uh, 100%. Uh, DP left wing should be coming in before this before the season starts um if not a dp tam level winger mm-hmm. that is more important um jeff ruder of the athletic reported the other day following the signing of uh juan agudelo that the team is planning on going with um agudelo as the starting number nine going into 2021 and although i don't think that is the best choice based on his track record of never having double digits scoring in the past 11 years. Hey, you know, maybe uh, the striker whisperer will get something out of him. Adrian Heath has a knack with strikers. Um, I just, you know, I don't think he's, uh, he's the player he was touted to be, which is fine. I think he's 
I think he's probably at this point a USL championship striker uh, starting caliber. I don't, or a backup in MLS. I just, I don't think he's good enough to be starting in this league. I would love to see him prove me wrong. Um, but his track record says otherwise. So unless somehow he brings out the magic that 17 year old Juan Agudelo had when he first came onto the scene, I don't think, I don't think this is our guy for now, but more importantly, get that left winger. Um, We've noticed over the past few years that the loons have had striker problems. They've never had a striker who consistently scores. So Agudelo just fits the bag. You know, whatever, we move on, get the left winger in here. That's what you need at the moment because I think Ethan Finley um, is a bench is a bench role player right now. Um, he's come, He came off a major injury last fall, didn't have the greatest end of the season. I think he scored two goals following his return from injury. You know, and, and two goals are two goals, you know. Good for him. I'm glad to see him back. He is vital to this team. He's a PR dream, gives the best interviews out of anybody um, in that in the entire club. Uh, man, management staff or player he's he's a PR dream yep. but I just don't think he's uh, he's at the level of where he can be starting for this team consistently right now uh, until uh, until he proves otherwise well, uh, so, and, and to so, your earlier point Jacob if you get a DP left winger it almost renders the striker position obsolete if you're Minnesota United like it really it almost does it it's almost not important the striker position if you get that type of caliber winger to go along with Lodin Reynoso if you can get, say, DP left winger, Reynoso at the 10, Robin Lude at the right at right wing with Juan Agudelo up top. You could throw you one get, of us at striker, Jacob, and we'd yeah. be fine. Let's say you get eight goals out of Juan Agudelo be- come, come, uh, before the summer transfer window. I think that's, that, that, that's, that's a dream. Getting eight goals out of your striker before the summer transfer window, I don't think it'll happen, but mm. I think that's, that, that should be the bar right there because you're going to get probably five or six from each winger. You're probably going to get a good uh, four or five from uh, Reynoso. But the Loons are built to win 1-0, 2-1 games right now. They're not built to win 4-5-0, 3 even 4-2. Mm-hmm. They're not built for that at the moment. They're a team that's built to score early and hold on. That's exactly what they tried to do against Seattle. They scored early. They held on. They held on a little more. And then they collapsed. So 2021 has to figure out, can you score early? Yes. Can you hold on? Yes. Can you hold on a little longer? Yes. But can you hold on till the end? That is where the team needs to, to work on. The final 20 minutes of a match, you have to be able to hold on a little longer. No more 80-minute goals. No more 85-minute goals. No more extra time goals. You have to, you have to close the game out. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest thing this club works on um in preseason is figuring out how do we close out games and how do we score early you know because we don't have Molino anymore and you know he was the captain of those first half goals let's move on to uh the rookies uh loons picked up three guys in the uh 2021 super draft back in january midfielder justin mcmaster defender uh nabilai i don't even know how to pronounce this last name do you know how to pronounce this last name jacob uh, I'm pulling up the Google Doc right now so I can pronounce it correctly. I believe um, I got it right here. Da, 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 da. Let's see. Where, where is his name? There it is. Okay. It's it's Kibunguchi, maybe? Kibunguchi? Kibunguchi. Right. Let's go with that. Nabila Kibunguchi. And defender right. uh, Sean O'Hearn. Yep. So let me try that again. All right. 
So the Loons picked up midfielder Justin McMaster, defender Nabilai Kibanguchi, and defender Sean O'Hearn with the 17th, 18th, and 38th picks in that draft, respectively. Jacob, you were kind of really diving deep into the draft leading up and, and, and after in terms of these picks and, and what they could bring to some of these squads. So if you could just give us a quick rundown of what you know on each of these players and, and how they might fit in, whether it's near or long term. I know that MLSsoccer.com rated Kibanguchi as one of the top defenders in this draft. Uh, talked to a few friends there about him. Um, you know, people really think his size, especially, is what's going to be beneficial in MLS. Um, he reminds me a lot of White Olmsberg when you drafted him. Size, pace, um, ability to kind of pass the ball out of the back. But he's very raw. And I think, uh, I think alone uh, to the USL is going to be the role for most of these three. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about McMaster. He wasn't somebody I expected a team to be taking, in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. McMaster is – how do I say it? He's 5'9". He's, he's very pacey. He is good on the ball. and He, he kind of reminds me a lot of Ja'Cory Hayes when watching the, 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 the tape that I could. Um, very, very much so not the biggest player on the pitch, but very technically secure with the ball. Um, Visionally aware, he definitely has the ability to go up and down the pitch, um, kind of in a box-to-box role. Um, and I think, I think he he surprised a lot of us when his name was called. Uh, it wasn't a positional need for the loons, but mm-hmm. I think you take it. I think you take it. And uh, he's definitely, if there's one of the three that plays a role in the squad, I think it's him. Uh, but again, you've also got your Corey Hayes and Hassani Dotson. You know, Th- those are two mm-hmm. really good players ahead of you. But You've also got a fantastic group to learn from. So good for him. You know, he's got a great core right now. Let's, uh, and then the last one, Sean O'Hearn. Um, I don't know a whole lot about O'Hearn. Uh, he wasn't somebody, I, I didn't pay so a whole Actually, lot. Jacob, I have a quote from Heath on O'Hearn here. That's pretty interesting. He said his, uh, his coaching staff at Georgetown called him, quote, the toughest bastard they've ever had, end quotes. <laughs> Well, he's Irish. What do you expect? <laughs> no. So, you know, Jeremy, you know this, but a lot of maybe the viewers don't. I, uh, I spent a few months in Ireland before COVID hit. I was studying abroad there and I can confirm Irish people are tough bastards. They are. Uh, whew, and man, can they can they can they drink? It's crazy. But uh, they uh, you know, I think it's cool that the team brought in um, somebody that they talked to the coach about, you know, you know, it wasn't purely, you know, let's watch this. Let's watch this hype video. Let's look at these, yeah. uh, these stats. Let's look at everything. You know, they did their, they did their studying for a second round pick. And they, you know, that probably doesn't happen a whole lot, but again, Hassani Dodson was a second round pick and he's in the U 23 uh, men's national team camp right now. So mm-hmm. you have to think this team is incredibly good at drafting. They are very good at figuring out who is good in the draft. Mason toy, Dane St. Clair, you know, we don't have to talk about a boot on Lottie, but Mason Toy, Dane St. Clair, Chase Gasper, Hassani Dotson. You know, mm-hmm. they've they've got four core first team players at one point or another from the draft. Most teams can't say that right now. There's some first, second, third, fourth, fifth overall picks that aren't even breaking into the game to 18 right now. Yeah. This club knows how to evaluate talent. And I think that really goes under the radar. They've done fantastic with the past three super drafts. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't have to talk about a boot on Lottie. But for the past three have been amazing. Well done. Applause. Definitely. 
Um, you had mentioned Hassani Dotson earlier, and I kind of want to go in depth on, um, you know, what he's going to be doing here in preseason and kind of where he factors into this team and what uh, Minnesota United could, uh, could you know, do with him this season. Um, you know, officially called into U.S. Men's National Team U23 Olympic qualifying camp just this week. Um, so he'll miss the first few weeks of Minnesota United preseason training. Uh, but I think anybody would rather... Uh, you know, I think if you talk to anybody in the loon staff, they'd say, yeah, we'd rather him go and, uh, you know, compete with some of the best players in the world and the best players in the, you know, in the U S men's national team player pool, as opposed to, uh, you know, being here in Blaine, but, um, let's be honest too. Who would rather do preseason inside a dome in Minnesota in early March? You know, we got 45 degrees right now. We're having a heat wave, yep. but he's training in the heat, man. He's got a, he's got a maid, you know, he's got it, uh, He's got a great down there in, uh, in Florida. He's training well. He uh, yep. is uh, probably learning a lot, and he's probably going through a lot more of an intense training camp than here, if we're being frank. Are you with me that it's, it's, it's sort of an outside shot that he'll actually make the roster? I mean, we're really, really more looking at this as a good opportunity for him to get time on the pitch with some of these players and kind of bring that experience back to Minnesota. I don't think so, actually. Really? Um, and I think I see it the same way that Matt, that Matt Doyle of MLSsoccer.com sees it, that Hassani Dodson is on the fringe purely because of how versatile he is. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find many midfielders who can go as an eight, as a 10, or as a fullback. Um, he's very much so a player who can do a lot of things that you don't expect him to. He's got pace. He's got bullying power. He's strong. He's very good on the ball and he can shoot, man. Can he shoot mm-hmm. even watch him? Uh, yes. He's, he, we all know he scores bangers, but if you watch him pregame, when you, when we get there before the match, Jeremy, as media, we're able to watch these, uh, the warmups and everything. If you pay attention to Sonny Dotson, his technique on the ball, when he shoots is brilliant. It's like a number nine. Um, of course that's without pressure. That's not in a game moment, but he's very, very good. Um, with the ball in and outside of the box. And even as a fullback, he can track back defensively. Um, he, who did he put on skates in the MLS's back tournament? Um, oh God, when he was playing fullback, I know Nani, Nani destroyed him multiple times when Orlando played us, but he put somebody on skates when he, uh, in Jose match or the Kansas city match. I can't remember which one. It was one of the two, but he was playing fullback for us. And, Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, he starts dribbling up the pitch and does a little one-two and just completely breaks the defender's ankles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's Hassani Dotson for you. Yep. He's somebody who, you know, it's just he just goes out there, does his thing, and has fun with it. And he deserves to be starting in this league. I think he's good enough. And, you know, if I'm being frank, if he doesn't earn a starting spot by the summer by the summer transfer window, if I'm him, I'm possibly looking at looking to see what uh, what options are there for me, whether it's a, whether it's a loan interleague loan not championship he's a, he's a, he's an mls caliber player possibly a transfer i really like the um uh, this is super off topic but the sebastian bearhalter deal yesterday that austin fc uh made with columbus crew columbus crew loaned bearhalter to austin and then if the loan is successful austin can trade for him they don't buy him they don't his contract doesn't expire they have the ability to trade for him it's the first i've seen of that kind Yep. But I think it's cool. I like yeah, that. it's it's definitely an interesting wrinkle, and it's honestly something that could really benefit. Because I mean, MLS, 
it's starting to get a little bit of parody where there are teams that could, you know, let's say Thomas, let's use Thomas Tricone, for example, this probably won't happen, but let's say Minnesota United wanted to loan him to uh, Austin or, or another team where they could use a player of his, you know, like him at a certain position and he could actually get playing time there at the same level. And then if they like him, they could trade for him or he comes back to Minnesota United with that playing time under his belt. That's an interesting wrinkle. And uh, you know, I think that could really be a trend moving forward in MLS, these, these loans with options to trade. Um, you know, you see it all the time uh, overseas or, you know, across leagues, loans with options to buy. But in MLS, loans with options to trade, I think that's, an, that's a really um, interesting concept that we'll see how these first few go. But I think it really has the opportunity to make, a, you know, to become kind of a trend. Yeah, and MLS is already weird. Let's just keep it weird. You know, we've already got this thing called exactly. GAM, this thing called TAM this thing called um, almost a lockout, you know, we're weird. The CBA, <laughs> everything. Let's just keep it weird, MLS. So circling back to Dotson, though, your, your point that his versatility will actually could actually give him an opportunity to make the roster um, is interesting because um, I've always kind of been of the opinion and saw it as that his, his kind of jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none playing style would actually hurt his ability to make a U.S. men's national team roster. But, you know, you mentioned Matt Doyle. I saw that same thing that he said about Dotson, and you bringing it up too. It's interesting how that – I don't know if the script is kind of flipped or if it's just my opinion on it that's starting to flip that it could actually work to his advantage in terms of his, his standing in that player pool. Well, think about it like this um... – you get, I believe it's 22 players for Olympic qualifying, or is it 23 with your final roster? Do you know offhand? I think it's 23. It's 23. So let's say you've got your starting 11, and then you've got um, 11 more, 12 more players. Asani Dodson counts for two. So say you're deciding between three players for the final spot. Uh, one's a defender, one's a midfielder, and one's a striker. And you're narrowing it down. yet. one more spot. Why not pick the guy who can play two of those three positions you know mm -hmm. he he definitely provides some versatility for jason crease who is known to play he, he likes to play his kids hence why he's the u23 coach now and i think i think dotson's playing style just appeals to the type of soccer that jason crease wants to play with the u.s men's national team your u23 excuse me national team I just I, I don't see why you wouldn't take a versatile player over a non-versatile player when they both are at the same competitive level. Mm -hmm. I think Dotson presents himself as a more unique prospect than that of someone who has one permanent position who is also on the fringe. Um, strictly strictly speaking, fringe players. I'm not talking you know the starting number nine, the starting number eight, the starting uh, right fullback. I'm talking if you're looking strictly at fringe players. Take the versatile guy. He, he provides you more options. And, you know, Dotson can score, too. If you're in the 80th minute and you're tied 1-1 and you need someone who can track back defensively but can also move forward, Dotson's your guy. So we've got three matches uh, in this uh, Olympic qualifying stage, March 18th against Costa Rica at 4 o'clock, March 21st at 6 o'clock against uh, the Dominican Republic, and then they wrap up the group stage against Mexico on Wednesday, March 24th at 8.30. Um, all three of those games are going to be broadcast on FS1. Really interesting to see uh, where Hassani Dotson factors in all of this and if he'll get any, you know, uh, extended run in either of these, in, you know, any of these games. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, 
I think it's exciting to get some uh, some good quality U.S. soccer back on the television too. Um, I really, really am excited for the Euros this summer. I love watching national teams play. Um, club soccer is irritating me at the moment because although Chelsea keep winning or drawing games, they don't score goals, and it's so frustrating. <laughs> like we're undefeated under under Thomas Tuchel, Jeremy, but we can't put the ball in the net. Like zero zero one one or one zero games, they stress me out, man. International love- soccer, at least you know. At least it's typically high scoring. So we're recording this on Thursday. So by the time it airs on Friday, I could have my foot so far into my mouth that I I can't even talk. But today (laughs) we got Everton and West Brom and then Liverpool and Chelsea. If Liverpool and Chelsea draw and Everton holds serve and gets the three points against West Brom, Everton could be sitting fourth in the table with still that game in hand on both Chelsea and Liverpool. I can't wait for last pra- last place West Brom to run circles around you all. Oh my gosh! It, it, it would be it would be par <laughs> for the course. We what we did against uh, Fulham a couple weeks ago was was disappointing to say the least. So we'll see. We uh, Everton is definitely the uh, epitome of playing to the level of competition. I mean, we grinded out a one 0 win against Southampton this week. So we'll see how it goes. And for those of you that don't know, Jeremy and I have a lot of banter about our support, our Premier League clubs that we support. Me, Chelsea, him, Everton. Um, there's only one club in England that is a true blue though. And that is Chelsea, just so you all know. So but- actually I have a question for you, Jacob, because you're more well-versed on, uh, on English football and, and the premier league than I am. I saw, I was watching a Leicester match and they even yep. had the thing on like the, you know, on the tarps that covered the seats that said, come on, you blues. So there are three teams that use the come on, you blues, uh, phrase Chelsea, Everton and Leicester. Does every blue team in England like you use that like what what's going on there well you see um for Leicester it's that the, they're singing the blues because they always lose um <laughs> for for Everton it's more like they play like they're watching blues blues at an amateur level for Chelsea <laughs> for Chelsea it is come on you blues we are going to win this game we're going to win this match and we're going to win the 2022 Premier League with Erling like Holland, 2022. I like how you specify that. With Erling Holland leading the front line. Oh boy! Here hey, it go. sounds like it's happening. In all honesty, which I am stoked about, but also that means Pulisic is out of here. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, get a minute. Chelsea, get he'll go. Minutes. He'll go somewhere else where he'll still make a splash. So um, you know, and it's rumored that Bayern Munich are interested. And if that happens, by all means, go play there instead of here. So last actually international soccer point before we circle back to Minnesota United. So you see the Bayern Dortmund game is going to be on ABC on Saturday. And who decided to, instead of working two to 10 PM decided to work 10 to three on Saturday because he had the option. I thought, you know, I'll take my Saturday night. Nope. Nope. I decided, Ouch. you know, Ouch. let's, let's work the, uh, let's work the morning shift and let, it's just, I, I'm mad, you know, Taylor Twelman, as an analyst for uh, Bundesliga games is going to be beautiful. He's going to criticize everybody. Electric. And I am here for it. It's going to be, like you said, electric. Taylor Twelman is going to be roasting every single player on that pitch, and rightfully so, especially Gio Reyna, uh, if he plays, assuming he does play. Alfonso Davies is going to be praised like he's a god, and I'm here for it. I, I love Taylor Twelman. I think he does everything that's needed uh, from an analyst or commentator perspective, um, he 
rightfully criticizes when it needs to be and most people don't and he rightfully praises when it needs to be and a lot of people don't he just makes the game fun because of how energetic and passionate he is about CONCACAF soccer and the international game at some point you will hear Taylor Twelman utter this phrase this is the concern with Erling Holland. like he'll do something and yeah. Twelman will find a way to like criticize, like critique, like a small portion of his game that could be seen as a downside. I got one more thing for you, Jeremy. So speaking of Erling Holland, um, there's a, there's a second one. There's two of them. His cousin, Albert Bratjolland is 17 years old and he scored 64 goals in 37 matches for Mold's youth team. Like 60, four goals in 37 matches. That's 1.72 goals per game. Mark Watson needs to get him on the line. This is our striker. This is our striker, Jacob. Uh, no, he's, uh, (laughs) he's being touted by like Red Bull Leipzig already. Um, that's probably a great setup to go into. Honestly, uh, he should probably go to Germany just because of how successful we've seen Scandinavian players, um, like Sorloth with Red Bull Leipzig right now, Holland with, um, with Dortmund, uh, Isak before he went to um, Spain. Uh, I think that's a really good move. Uh, but there's two of them, and that's terrifying. That's utterly terrifying. So we can end the, the world game rant now, but there's two of them, and that's just absurd. Uh, speaking of uh, two, two soccer players with the same last name that are both really, really good, uh, the Loons officially announced the signing of Awea. Patrick Wea, Maple Grove's own, as their second homegrown signing. Um, rumors and reports have been swirling about this for uh, the better part of a month now. I think it was early in February when Jeff Reuter in one of the MLS notebooks mentioned that they were touting him as their next homegrown signing. It was made official this morning, right before we began recording here. And um, it's the second homegrown signing in Loon's history, like I said. And this is a guy that, that Minnesota United has been very, very high on coming up in their uh, old youth academy for a while. And uh, now they have him on board. Jeremy, are you a Mandalorian fan by chance? I, I have not seen the second season. I love the first season. I have not gotten okay. around to watching the second season yet. Well, I'm just going to say this is the way. Uh... <laughs> there we go. I've seen enough yeah. to, uh, to understand that reference. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's a brilliant signing because we all know if you followed the Minnesota youth soccer scene set up that Patrick Weya is a very talented individual. Um, he was in the youth, the Loons Youth Academy before it's, well, was destroyed and then brought back, but in a really weird way. And he didn't decide to come back. He went off to college with St. Louis University and he scored a couple bangers. Uh, and then the loons were like, Hey, you know, maybe we should probably bring this kid in because you know, he's, he's good at this whole soccer ball thing. And, you know, he's got it in his blood. It's almost as if like his family is really good at soccer too. So maybe let's bring him on. And they decided to, and now they're going to reap the rewards from it because he is, he's a very skilled individual. Um, here's, here's, here's my, uh, Here's my quick little uh, hot shot idea. What if Patrick uh, beats out Juan Agudelo for the starting spot come, <laughs> come summertime? What if Patrick Way uh, ends up scoring, doing better in training and gets the nod? Because uh, Heath already said Voster Langsdorf won't be starting for the Lins this year. Um, 
although he's got an incredible name, you know, props, props to you, man. Uh, Voster Langsdorf. Incredible. That's fantastic. That's a top five MLS name right there. Top five MLS name. Mitch Guitar is probably number one still, but Voster Langsdorf is really great. Um, You know, there's a chance, you know, you've got three strikers on the squad. Um, I mean, if there's one position where a homegrown could could play into a, a regular playing or even a starting role for Minnesota United as, as we've, as we've kind of said at nauseum, it's that striker position. You know, and let's, let's be Frank. Juan Agudelo has not been good in 10 years. Um, not, I maybe I shouldn't use the term good. He hasn't been successful in 10 years. Um, Voster Langsdorf proved himself in USL, but has yet to prove himself with very limited opportunity in MLS, but Heath went on the record saying he doesn't plan to use him as a starting striker this season. So let's look at this now. You have a very highly touted prospect in Patrick Weah mm-hmm. versus a former prodigy who never found his footing in Juan Agudelo. I think I think there's a lot to look at here too, too because Juan Agudelo is somebody – who can tell him to take these steps and not make the mistakes he made, you know, because Juan Agudelo played with Stoke um, in his teens. He moved from the U S to Stoke. And I think um, there's one other team uh, in England, but you know, maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe Juan Agudelo is, you know, a good coach, a good teacher, a good, uh, someone to learn from. Mentor. For a way up. Yeah. Mentor. That's the word. Thanks, Jeremy. Mentor. Awesome. But <laughs> I just, you know, let's have fun. Let's let, let, let's have fun with it. Let's give the kid a shot and see what he has. Um, and, you know, there's, there's two positions that are up for grabs going into the 2021 season. And it's goalkeeper and it's striker. You know, who's going to start? Tyler Miller or Dane St. Clair? It should be Dane St. Clair. But Tyler Miller is also a former U.S. men's national team goalkeeper. And if you recall... He was amazing in the MLS's back tournament before yep. he before he had surgery. Just outstanding. The, the, the penalty shootout saves brilliant, you know. And and I just wonder what is that competition like going into preseason? Because Dan St. Clair is an amazing goalkeeper, but Tyler Miller was there first. He proved himself. I just I just wonder. And then you know, of course, way uh, versus Agudelo versus Langsdorf. I uh, you've. I've had this on my mind for a while and I want to ask you about it. So we have a guy like Hassani Dotson who is in that U23 U.S. men's national team camp. We have Dane St. Clair who is in that Canadian U23 men's national team camp. We have these guys who are really good young prospects who are going to make even more of a name for themselves on the international and national stages over the next six months. Is this a situation where you could take one or both of them, considering the log jams there are at those positions and considering we're not 100% sure where they factor into this roster right now, could you take one or both of them and move them and get something really significant back Um, in the summer transfer window? I think Jane Sinclair is moving to Europe this summer. That's my theory. Um, I, I genuinely do. I do know that he is on the radar of a lot of clubs in Europe. Um, I can genuinely say that there was a club in Belgium that um, took notice of Dane St. Clair's performances in the end of 2021. Um, but 
that, that that's all that's all there was to it you know they, they, literally saying that they notice him he's on their radar and one club specifically in belgium took notice uh and you know you know they, they wrote his name down type thing um hassani dotson however i i don't think i don't think he's a european player yet strictly because he hasn't started he, he's got to earn a starting spot before he moves dane st Clair, however he he's a player um how do i put it He's the future of Canada alongside Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies. Um, you've got the best left back in the world. Yes, I said it. You've got a top young prospect who's finally starting to score goals alongside Tim Weah, familiar name, with mm-hmm. Lille, um, with Lille in France, who are miraculously in first place in Ligue 1. Like, Crazy. You know, they are playing outstanding soccer. Jonathan Bamba is unreal this season. I, I could get on a league on ramp, but I'm not. But, you know, CONCACAF is starting to create teams that are going to be threatening come 2022 and 2026. Yep. Canada especially. They're under the radar. Alfonso Davies single-handedly counts for like six players. Yeah, no, you're, you're not, you're not wrong there. You, t- you said best left back in the world. I don't even, I don't even know if that's even a discussion at this point because he, yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Like, Andrew Robertson would be the only other one that could be, you know, given a nod, but no, it's, it, it's gotta be Alfonso Davies right now. He's, he's unreal, but I think, I really do think Jonathan David and Tim Weah's connection at Lille is going to be fantastic for CONCACAF. Um, you know, Weah is another person who could be starting at the number nine position come uh, the 2022 world cup for the U S men's national team. But lately he's been playing as a wing instead of a striker. Um, his natural position as a, as a nine, but he's been playing as a wing for Lille. So we'll wait and see, you know, it's exciting times. He's, he's, he's starting to, we've seen Jonathan David starting. We've got Dane St. Clair. We've got um, Alfonso Davies too. All four of those guys are the future of um, these two teams. It's fun. You know, we all have a connection to each of them now. It's cool. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, the guys at extra time did a little power rankings, uh, for MLS heading into the season, I believe it was a couple weeks back and they actually had Minnesota United in the top five in MLS right now. I believe they were fourth in the West, um, before the top five were in the West as this roster stands right now, I look at that and I'm like, I'm not necessarily convinced had him ahead of <laughs> Seattle, had him ahead of Portland, I believe, um, where do you think this Minnesota United team as is stacks up league wide and in the West right now? You know, I, I, I wouldn't even put us in the top 10 at the moment because we don't have a left winger or striker who can score goals. But once one of those comes, I think we're top five. And I think that's the assumption from the extra time crew. Um, I look at it and I say back line. Yep. Goalkeeper. Yep. Midfielder. Yep strikers winners eh, okay okay we're getting there the mm-hmm. number 10 unreal emmanuel yeah. also top 10 player in MLS, mvp caliber mvp caliber you know but also you know what's really exciting jeremy is joseph martinez is back in 2021 That's i'm so excited awesome. to see him play again like yes i'm not very fond of atlanta i don't think a lot of us are but man is he a fun player to watch and it's exciting um you know minnesota united though top five team sure there's a good there's a good shot you can make that claim but it's more than likely top top 10 
I'd say you're closer to eight or nine. All right, now let's move and talk about the really important topic here. River kit, what do you think? Oh, I love it. I think it's yeah. great. Um, I think it's stop great criticizing. Too. Stop criticizing it. You know, <laughs> at least you're at least you're not Columbus. You know, you yeah. got your yellow kit taken away. <laughs> at yeah. least you're not Chicago Fire, who have these really weird lines going down their jerseys, and it was presented along a wall of tools. Like <laughs> that was weird. It, it was very weird. Like. Yes, the Galaxy have the best kit debut in the league. Yes, they do. Portland, very good. Congratulations. FC Cincinnati, well done. Philly. Minnesota United, Philly, Philly's is good. Philly's is good. That light blue is very classy. But, you know, take it. You know, this is an ode to the Minnesota black and blue. Like, you're yeah. getting what you chant. Stop complaining. You've got a decent kit. You've, yeah. still, got the, um, you've still got the wing kit. Like, you got your gray kit. You got your blue kit. You know, you're fine. Stop complaining. I don't, I don't understand why people dislike it. There's, we, we know the Adidas template suck. We know, we know it until mm. the sponsorship ends. You're going to see bland, very plain jerseys, unless you're Los Angeles because you have money. I don't so, know if they had to do some negotiating to finagle this or whatever, but uh, Minnesota United just told Adidas and MLS to take their white kits and shove it, huh? Yeah. And the galaxy said, shove it and here's 10 million or something because those jerseys are amazing like the 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 throwback kit like i want to buy one and i want to like it's it's cool it is such a dope kit i love it fantastic job to that designing crew um they deserve a raise and a gold star like it's it's just a brilliant kit minnesota united is good it's not the best in the league no but it's a good kit and there's zero reason to be upset over it i think have you been in the Atlanta United comment sections lately? That is might be the most contentious kit reveal I have seen uh, in a long time. Well, Jeremy, it's a, it's a horrendous kit. I don't think it's <laughs> it that might, bad. Oh, it's horrendous. It is awful. You know, they go by the five stripes, and then the, the club said, what if we did a kit with five stripes? And everybody's like, okay, this is going to be cool. And then they present it, and they're like, what did you do? Why? Five little lines. <laughs> five little lines. Five strings. Yeah, y'all, y'all literally took a, took a guitar, the middle of a guitar, took the wood out, and just left the strings on our jersey and, and imprinted them. Like it, it does not look good. It is an ugly kit. Um, if you're Atlanta, you can rightfully be mad. If you're Columbus, you can rightfully be mad. Minnesota, you have no right to be mad. It's a great kit. It is. It's uh, it's got some neat details. It's got a really cool shade of blue. Ricky Rubio was sporting it. Love Last that. Night on Wednesday, I love the that. Third. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we all love Ricky Rubio. He's a good dude. Really good dude. The Wolves may be terrible, but Ricky Rubio makes you smile. Both of those are very, very, very true. Um, all right. So let's move over. I don't have this in the notes, uh, uh, Jacob, but I do want to get your, your take on a couple of these things. Um, just, just Minnesota, Minnesota tie-ins and MLS right now. Uh, the big news, obviously, uh, for Minnesota soccer alums and MLS is Caden Clark, uh, made it official just about a month ago that he will be moving to RB Leipzig in 2022 after he finishes out his last year with Red Bull New York here in 2021. So I want to get your thoughts on that and where Caden Clark could, you know, factor into this U.S. men's national team player pool as we head towards 2022 and that, that, you know, much, uh, much anticipated 2026 world cup, uh, you know, uh, scenario there. Um, we don't know enough about him yet, to be honest. Um, it's a patience game. It's a missed opportunity for Minnesota. You messed up. 
move on. Congrats. You, you lost a, a top prospect by not figuring your academy out sooner. Um, you take your loss and you move on. Caden Clark is going to be a star more than likely. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, you know, you, you mentioned Minnesota ties. You know, the biggest name in Minnesota ties in MLS is Jackson Ewell for me. Um, Caden Clark, yes, he's a good prospect. Yes, he's someone who really turned some heads last season in the cameos he got. But Jackson Ewell, for me, is still competing for a starting spot with the Europe, the top European players on the U.S. men's national team. He's mm. competing with Tyler Adams. He's competing with Weston McKinney. I genuinely think Jackson Ewell is that good. Um, and I think people should really, really realize that. He should probably be in Europe. He's yeah. top five midfielder MLS by far. Um, massively missed opportunity not to bring him home in the Super Draft. And I think that's a bigger L than Caden Clark. So... Very, very true. And those are the two big ones, Jackson Ewell, Caden Clark, um, no, obviously names to watch out for is, uh, you know, in terms of their standing in the national team as we move forward here into next year and into the next, uh, in the next five years. Um, Jacob Schneider, any last thoughts? I mean, any bold predictions for 2021, as far as Minnesota United goes? Um, Tim Weah will, or not Tim, excuse me, Patrick Weah. Tim Weo um, would start for Minnesota United if he were on if he were on the team. That that is confirmed. He, he would. Patrick Weah um, is going to score the same amount of the same amount of goals, if not more, than Juan Agudelo. There's the bold prediction number one. I'll do three of them. Bold prediction number two is that um, Robin Lude does a 10-10 season, ten goals, ten assists. Um, prediction number three. Ike Opara returns and uh, wins comeback player of the year. That would be cool. Um, I'm just going to give one bold prediction. I think uh, Emmanuel Reynoso at least, at least finishes top three in the MVP conversation. That's a good shout. Um, you know, and, and in non-Minnesota United predictions, um, two to one Chelsea. <laughs> I'm praying for a draw. Give me a draw. Give Everton that that four spot with the game in hand. That would be a really good you're, position to be in. You're probably gonna gonna be right because we don't know how to put the ball in the net. So and if you're listening, you already know the results, so you know how right or wrong either of us are. Jacob Schneider, zonecoverage.com, formerly of E Pluribus Lunum, covering the Loons of Minnesota United for a very, very long time on the beat, considering he uh, isn't even out of college yet. Very, very hey. hardworking guy. Go read his stuff at uh, underscore Jacob Schneider on, uh, on Twitter. That is your handle, right? It is. Perfect. All right. I, I just, I just, I just riffed that. I wasn't even looking at Twitter. So uh, it's good. Look I remember. at you. That- you see, friends know each other's Twitter handles. Fair enough. Yep. You're not you're not friends with somebody unless you know their Twitter handle off the top of your head. That's exactly. Confirmed. That's confirmed. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Jacob. You have a good one. All right. You too. That interview on 10,000 Pitches was presented by our friends at PodMN. I want you to go to your Apple App Store or your Google Play Store, whatever kind of phone you have, and type in PodMN, P-O-D-M-N. Hit that download button. Then when you go there, I want you to search for Minnesota Soccer. You will find that in that dropdown, you have all your favorite Minnesota soccer podcasts right there in one place. I'm looking right now. We have Sound of the Loons, Crafty Rogues, Equal Time Soccer. Uh, we call it soccer. The Minnesota Soccer Podcast, 55-1, the Daves I Know, all right there. One-stop shopping for all your favorite Minnesota soccer podcasts. And also... 
I gotta admit, 10,000 Pitches is on there too. And it's more than just soccer, it's more than just sports. They have Vikings, Twins, Gophers, Timberwolves podcasts. They have local true crime story podcasts, local news podcasts, local entertainment podcasts from Minnesota creators, Minnesota podcasters, all in one app. And I haven't even gotten to the best part yet. The best part is that you can actually win prizes just for listening to podcasts. Go to your Apple App Store or Google Play Store, download PodMN, and go to PodMN.com to learn more. Thanks again to Jacob Schneider from ZoneCoverage.com. Covers the loons there. Uh, just, Just taking some time to talk. Minnesota United preseason news and notes, a lot of headlines. Uh, like we said, the Patrick Weah news broke like literally minutes before we started recording. So we got to give a little, uh, some fresh takes on that as well. Um, on top though, coming up uh, this weekend and next week, as far as Minnesota soccer goes, the Minneapolis City Futures League play that continues on Monday. Northeast Wanderers take on Riverside Rovers and Powderhorn AFC goes up against near North. All of those games can actually be seen on a website called VO. Um, and if you want to get the direct link on where to watch those games, it's actually pretty cool that Minneapolis city is actually able to get, uh, you know, a live stream of these futures league games via VO. So you can check out the, the crow's socials at MPLS city SC on uh, Twitter specifically is the best place to go to get those direct links to those games. But again, they're both happening Monday evening. And then uh, on the college, uh, on the college pitch, Gophers are back at home Saturday against Illinois. Um, eight o'clock on BTN plus actually on Thursday, they, uh, they took care of business, got their second dub of the year, uh, taking down Northwestern at home two to one. So uh, a couple back-to-back games at home. They won the first one and Saturday they take on the fighting Illini, my fighting Illini. Actually, I'm a, I'm a huge Illinois fighting Illini fan, to be honest, uh, on the basketball side, it's been going really good. Pretty happy with that. Um, so I'll be a little bit torn watching that game, uh, and listening to Matt Pravatsky from equal time soccer on the call on BTN plus actually, but, uh, we'll definitely be checking that out Saturday evening. Uh, before we get going here, I want to let you know uh, about something we're doing with some really good friends of ours. ShopSpamFC.com is SpamFC's official merch store. We were uh, lucky enough to have the opportunity to help them launch that merch store. Um, and this weekend, we're officially launching the script collection. This is one of those things where I, I just kind of want to let it let it simmer and let you go actually check it out for yourself. I don't want to, I don't want to promote it really too in depth, too in detail, because I just want to let you go to shopspamfc.com and experience it for yourself because I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm just going to leave it at that. And that is how we end the podcast this week. If, if you probably noticed, no Ethan this week. He is day to day with strained vocal cords. Just kidding. I figured I'd give him a week off. He's a he's a college student, busy college student, and he's entering uh, soccer season now too. So he's got a lot on his plate and had a very long conversation with Jacob. So I figured I'd give Ethan the week off, and uh, we'll have him back next week though for sure. Thank you so much to Bateau, so much for Spam for letting us help them out with their merch stores. Again, BateauFCShop.com, ShopSpamFC.com, and use code POD at either one of those places. Gets you 10% off your first order. Thank you to Stimulus Athletic. Go to StimulusAthletic.com if you're looking to kind of outfit your club, call it a game gear and apparel. And thank you to you who's listening to this podcast. Couldn't do it without you. And we will catch you next week. Have a great weekend or a great week, depending on when you're listening. See ya.